pretend banter back and forth as the audio slowly comes up and people hear me saying that. And hello! Welcome to Misfits on Vinyl. My name is Spencer Strykert. I am an actor and comedian and one of your hosts. Uh, my name is Aaron, and I'm one of your hosts. And also an actor. <laughs> I know what's coming. I already know what's coming. That's why I hesitate. I didn't want to introduce myself. But you need to say it proudly. It's a job title. Mm. You're a part of a, a, a very distinct brotherhood of thespians. <laughs> No, are able to convey emotion to an audience yeah. through the characters that you portray on stage. Uh -huh. And that's who you are. <laughs> no, I don't really I don't really identify with that anymore. And I, I'm feeling, you know, you're misartisting me right now. And it's honestly offending me. Well, you and know you're what? doing it purposely every episode. I'm, I'm not doing it purposely. I am trying to help you see who you really yeah, are. You're trying to deep down. coerce me back into becoming I'm a performer. Trying to make you become yeah, a performer. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, I yeah. You. Uh, okay, so uh, first off. Mm. I think we should probably crack our beers first. Yeah, we kind of forgot this. We screwed this up last episode. We did. It was, uh, but that's okay because I mean we're 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 learning. We're mm -hmm. still learning. Um, so this is from the official non-official sponsor of uh, Misfits on Vinyl, Cabin mm. Brewing. This is Vines and Binds, uh, California Zinfandel Lager. Mm. Um, Death of the Zinfidel. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it sounds, it sounds oddly terroristic. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, but it is, uh, I, I don't even know what type of beer oh, it is. It kind of uh, smells like wine. It, 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 well, it is a Zinfidel, yeah. so um, that would it make vines sense. Vines and Binds, and it is a collaboration with City and County Urban Winery Ooh. and Tasting Bar. You know what? Uh, if it's a collaboration with them, shout out to them, because this Friday I am uh, doing a comedy show there. But city and Country. I said City and County, but yeah, City and Country, yeah. City and country, city and county, city and county, city and country. Okay, well, okay. Since we, since we mentioned city and country, uh, yeah, I got uh, this Friday. Uh, I'm at city and country wine. Uh, then on Sunday, I'm at the Laugh Loft uh, at the Attic in Inglewood, and then. On the 24th, I'm headlining the uh, Gotland Indigenous Comedy Show at Yuck Yucks. Hell yeah. And dude. then on the 25th and 26th, I'm in Peace River at uh, Peace River Brewing with Connor Christmas. So, I got dates. Come see me do funnies. Please. <laughs> I desperately need people in the audience that like me. All right, I'm still struggling with this. Every fucking episode, I can't pour a beer. It looks like a rosé. It smells like a rosé. Cheers. Cheers, boo. Give me a second. Uh, I got to get my cheers hand. Cheers. Oh, always so satisfying. Oh, it's oh. always good. Mmm. Mmm, yep. No, that, that is, yeah, that's different. I don't mind it. Yeah, I like it. <clears throat> it's not as strong of a flavor as, th as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be <clears throat> a little bit more whiny. Mm-hmm. Tastes uh, like beer. Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I, I thought that this was going to be the uh, the Kanye beer. It was really whiny. <laughs> uh, it's okay to make fun of him now. Um. <laughs> can, we, can, we, can we get Pierce Morgan on the show? Because holy fuck, dude. <laughs> he's been on a roll interviewing Andrew Tate, Kanye. Wait, really? Oh, he's, he's had Andrew Tate on twice, Oof. dude. Oh, God, God gross. I uh, You know what I feel really bad for? Uh, there's a podcast that I listen to called Let's Not Meet, and uh, I've been listening to it for a couple of years, mm -hmm. and the host name is Andrew Tate as well. <laughs> That's unfortunate. And he had to post a thing to his Instagram being like, I am not that Andrew Tate. Please quit mentioning me, blah, blah, blah. And, like, people were like, 
coming to his defense and being like, this is not the Andrew Tate, but they were tagging <laughs> the Andrew Tate in his thing. So people were confusing who it was and then fucking attacking him. He should have just came out and said, I'm not the top G. Ah, <laughs> something like that. Oh, that would have been good. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, So uh, we haven't actually seen each other in like two weeks. Yeah, I'm even, I got sick. Yeah. I had COVID. Two people uh, in the podcast caught the plague. Yeah. Uh, Sam, did you officially have COVID or are you just sick? I didn't get tested. Yeah. I I, I feel like that's the thing to do now is just like pretend like you have it if you Mm -hmm. have symptoms. But it's not so much of like before if you caught COVID, you were like your life was fucked up for like three weeks. Yeah. It was like, you know, five days I was symptomatic and then they're like, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. You know what's funny is like the the, honestly, the second time I got COVID was actually worse than the first. Mm. But the first time I had to isolate for longer. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like the first time the first time I just had the shits and I was sweating for like. Uh, 24 hours. Remember when you got exposed to COVID and you had to isolate for two weeks? Yeah. Holy fuck, dude. But I, remember when the government would pay you to do that? Yeah. That part was pretty dope. That was nice. That was pretty great. That I, part I, was nice. I, liked, I like when the government gives us money. Yeah, I like... <laughs> <laughs> true dollars. Those Serb, true daddy Serb bucks. Was pretty wicked, actually. Serb was great. Yeah. Honestly, the the oh fuck, I have to, I have to. The, this brings up uh, a ranty point. Okay, so uh, when when everything was initially happening and the Serb came out, right, a mm-hmm. uh, bunch of people from my hometown shared the the meme of Buzz and Woody, and it was like. If two thousand dollars a month changed your life, imagine what a job would do. Oh. And I'm like, you fucking literally live at home still. Like you live on your parents' ranch. You've never paid for fucking anything. Mm. Your parents bought your truck when you were sixteen. Well, two, two what are you talking about? Two thousand dollars a month did change my life because I got laid off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, Sorry, I know. fucking couldn't work during that time. It, I, literally, it was... I literally lost my job and nothing was open. Yeah. So yeah, it did help me out. It did help me out. Yeah. You know what I was able to do? Eat food. Yeah. Literally, it was the bare minimum that that Pay fucking rent, brought. Eat food. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was even buying shitty weed. I wasn't buying good weed with it. No. Either. Yeah. No. I was buying dirt weed. Like, come on. <laughs> like, I bought absolute pig shit. Sacrifices were made, dude. Do you know what type of beer I had to drink during that time? What? Shitty fucking beer. I was drinking Lowenbrow. It's Ooh. like a $2 tall boy can. I was drinking uh, Sneaky Weasel, mm. which is like 7%. Yeah, and I, and like- I would drink like a six-pack <laughs> of that and then go back to the liquor store and get more. You know, times are dark when you're waking up at like 2.30 in the afternoon <laughs> and going to bed at like quarter to six in the morning. God, that's like every day for me, though, and that feels <laughs> awful that you just said that. That's dark, bro. That's a dark existence. But it's not, though. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm thriving. Who are you trying to convince? Private. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you trying to convince here? No, I just remember, like, fucking, I'd go to bed at, like, 6 in the morning for no reason. I was playing League of Legends quite a bit. We <laughs> <laughs> really got into League I was actually talking about this with my brother last night. We were playing darts, and he was like, do you remember when we got really into League? And I was like, yeah, yeah dude. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> like, that time of my life. I think me and, you, me and you, Sam, played, yeah. Holy fuck, I was playing a lot of League of Legends. What exactly is League of Legends? Because I don't really know. Um. I don't know the proper technical terms because I sucked. Sam can attest to that as well. I was not very good. Yeah. Um, what's the like? What's the category of game? Like you probably know better. But yeah, you're basically mobile fighting. operative. 
bitchin' associate. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But <laughs> like all I remember, I used to go, I used to go. I'm going whatever. I'm support. I'm support is what I always. I suck, dude. Yeah, you have a team basically, and you're fighting a team. You have to capture some towers, fuck mm. some people up. You all have special powers. So it's kind of like Bloons Tower defense. No. I guess like yeah, in a roundabout way, kind of, but is, not really. Is it like Clash of Clans? Um, no, but is kind it like of. World of Warcraft? Somewhat. <laughs> is it like RuneScape? Uh, no. Is it like Skyrim? No. Is it like Need for Speed? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we're just like, you're just naming video games now. <laughs> is it like Grand Theft Auto San Andreas? No. No. Oh. You gotta like, you're like you and your list, dude, like every episode. Dude, I'm, I'm good at listing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. What else do you have? Mario Party 2? Yeah, is it like that? Yeah. Is, is it like Ultimate Chicken Horse? You know what it might be like? What the fuck was that? <laughs> Mario Kart. Ooh, which is a great which is a great transition. Okay, but Mario Kart Super Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah. We got to go with the OG, the good one. All right. So, the album that we are going to be reviewing this week mm-hmm. is uh very near and dear to our hearts. It certainly is. It's uh it's one that I don't think a lot of people that are listening are actually going to know. I don't even know how you came across this album. I was kind of obsessed with it. I I guess we'll introduce it and then I'll, yeah. and then I'll talk about that. So, Album that we're reviewing is Christopher Cross's debut album, Christopher Cross. Christopher Cross. <laughs> Which, it's a fucking banger. Uh, oh, God. There's a coaster here. Oh, no, sec. what's happening? There. Oh, there we go. All right. Uh, this, is a, this is a great album. Uh, I picked it up for $3 mm-hmm. at uh, Cops Records in Toronto. That's the best decision you ever made. It really fucking was the yeah. best decision I've ever made. Uh I was kind of, uh, I, I had seen the album in a lot of, like, uh, discount bins before, and it's pretty iconic album art, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the flamingo and, and like, the, the highly saturated colors with the green. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I had seen it a bunch, and then I, I listened to it a few times, like, uh, on, like, Spotify, like, just listened mm-hmm. to a few of the, like, top tracks. Which, you know, we all, I think, know the top tracks. It's like, you know, Ride Like the Wind, Sailing, mm-hmm. uh... Uh, never be the same. Those are like, you know, songs that we all know. Then I saw it for $3 at cops records <laughs> and I fucking picked this up. And Aaron and I, when we lived together in Toronto, we used to listen to this record almost every day Yeah, and play super Mario Kart. And we got a really fucking good at super Mario Kart mm-hmm. and B we knew this fucking album front to back. <laughs> oh yeah. Because dude. we would listen to it so goddamn much. It's honestly a really good soundtrack for me. I think it's a missed opportunity by <laughs> Nintendo because ride like the wind. <laughs> you remember we played the lava level yeah. and we'd rip, rip ride like the wind. <laughs> Such a long way to go. Oh dude. It's a great. Racing for the border of Mexico. <laughs> so I ride. Ride like the wind. Ride, ride like, like the wind. wind. <laughs> it's awesome it is awesome and yeah. and like this is i think like for anybody who is unsure about like getting into like the yacht rock genre mm-hmm. a this has been named as like the quintessential rock yeah yacht rock album but it is it is like front to back you listen to this it's very pleasant <laughs> you, you just kind of okay. Imagine that you're sitting on a fucking boat. So I had a laugh. I was, you know, coming up with fun facts, and I'll, I'll spoil one. But VH1 call, called this the most sensational soft rock album of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that accurately describes it. Honestly, it is sensational. It's very sensational. And, and like, it, it, it's, okay, it's the type of album that, like, when you put it on, 
you you kind of you get transported into a mind space mm-hmm. that uh, you, you you don't even need to be on board for. You just <laughs> no. get brought there. No, it, it's like th- there was times when like uh, like. We would be having a bad day. Listen to this album, and it fucking changes your day. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it, it's, oh god, it's good vibes on vinyl. Yeah, well, I also feel like we enjoyed it quite a bit because we got high quite a bit listening that to it. That also yes. helps. Yes, smoke a doobie and listen to sailing. Yeah, and yeah. please tell me that but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a really fantastic. It's a fantastic album. Mm-hmm. So let's, uh, let's, let's get into the album a little bit here. So it was released December twentieth, nineteen seventy nine. It was recorded in mid-1979. There was only about a six-month turnaround from when he recorded this to when it came out. Nice. And he had only gotten signed, like, six months before that. So, like, within a year, he became a fucking star. Yeah, that's cool. Which is super cool. So, uh, yeah, we, excuse me, already mentioned it's a soft rock, yacht rock album. And it's got themes of searching for oneself, the pangs of love, and discovering a sense of Mm self-assuredness. Uh, it was produced by 11-time Grammy nominee and three-time winner Michael O'Martin, and he had moved to Los Angeles uh, or from Los Angeles to Nashville in 1993, and then he served on the board of governors of the Recording Academy, and he also helped shape the curriculum for the first master's degree program in the field of music business at Belmont University. Oh, that's cool. So, like, that's afterwards, obviously, but like. It's cool that he was a producer on this, and then he mm-hmm. went on to have like a, a lasting impact in the music industry. That's you know far-reaching from just having created things, yeah. right? Um, he also worked with everyone from Clint Black, Whitney Houston, Rod Stewart, Dolly Parton, the Jacksons, and Trisha Yearwood. Mm-hmm. He was like, if they were the top country or pop artists, he worked with them. That's pretty cool. We got a pretty impressive track record. That's a pretty fucking good track yeah. record. And like and like and Christopher Cross. And Christopher Cross. <laughs> yeah, dude. Which like <laughs> amazing because like okay, we're going to get into this a little bit later when we talk about the artist, but he was like in the in the early 80s, he was kind of the sound of the fucking early 80s. Mm-hmm. He he had uh he he had a big impact and his light quickly fucking dimmed. Yep. It it got put out very quickly. Um Okay, so a little bit more about the album. Five-time Grammy winner Michael McDonald of the Doobie Brothers and Steely Dan mm-hmm. provided the backing vocals, as did Don Henley and Nicolette Larson uh, from, like, Neil Young and, and her uh, song Lot mm-hmm. of Love, which, okay, it's funny, A, that uh, we've had a few albums now where Steely Dan artists <laughs> yeah, have been, been involved. Yeah. yeah, sessional musicians, yeah. but... After learning that it was Michael McDonald, re-listening to this, and then uh, I, I was listening to this the other day, and, and uh, What a Fool Believes came on mm-hmm. after I had listened to the album, <laughs> and I honestly was like, you know what? It kind of just sounds like this Doobie Brothers album was just really <laughs> long. Like- <laughs> That's funny. Because the Doobie Brothers are also fucking dope. And and mm-hmm. Don Henley, I mean, like, uh, amazing, you know, from the Eagles and, yeah. and everything. Uh, in a New York minute. <laughs> I, love, I love the Boys of Summer. That's funny. Everything will change. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite. Don boys Henry of Summer song. is yeah. a fucking good one. It's one of my karaoke tracks, too. When we're not together. Yeah. I'll do, I'll do the Boys of Summer. Yeah, when we're together, it's all Salisbury Hill. Yeah. yeah. All Salisbury Hill. Mix it some sailing. <laughs> oh, my God. Did we sing this together one time? Uh, We did Ride Like the Wind at Kramer's one okay, time. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I feel like we sang Christopher Cross together at some point. Yeah, everybody in the bar fucking hated it. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> also, Kramer's hated us when we sang karaoke. <laughs> Because we'd run through the audience, like we'd run through the crowd. But I, I mean, I, I 
I think that's hilarious. Shout but out to Kramer's. It's like the dingiest fucking little hole in the wall. Yeah, it's such. I, I wonder if it's still open. I forgot to go and I check. I think it is still there. open. Yeah. I. Uh, you know what? Next time that I'm in Toronto, I'm gonna go sing uh, some Christopher Cross <laughs> on that stage for us. That's a good idea. It's got to be sailing well. <laughs> sailing takes me away. Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to chew people away from listening to this album. We want to. We want to encourage them. We are. We are encouraging people. Um, and more encouragement. Let's talk about the artwork because. Okay, uh, Danny Henderson and James Flaherty Holmes. Uh, they did the artwork, and James uh, James Holmes and Wonder Graphics did the uh, uh, design. And the flamingo concept was by Jim Newhouse. Now, what's really interesting is these were all also musicians mm. so uh and christopher cross picked the flamingo because he just thought it looked cool uh but it became like his iconic thing it also yeah kind of all of his the album albums. pretty well yeah, yeah. It, like it, it like this is something that i think a flamingo would listen to mm-hmm. it's definitely a flamingo album <laughs> i would i don't know what type of genres they're into but either they're like this sort of stuff or they like like death metal <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine them like sitting with their one leg up just like listening to like some serious death metal it's just like <laughs> <laughs> Fight! Yeah, probably. You know what? I could see that. I'm eating shrimp. <laughs> I'm turning pink. <laughs> and when I poop, it really stinks. That's actually very good. Bravo, Spencer. Yeah, I, I, I've always wanted to be a death metal vocalist. I do feel bad for Sam though when he's got to go back and edit that audio. <laughs> but you know what? I feel good for well, our audience that's going to listen true. to my that's beautiful true. death metal vocals. That's true. Uh, shout out to all of our friends that listen. Also, mm-hmm. oh, I forgot to mention, I also had to apologize. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, so I have to apologize to Julie, the bartender at Tea House, because I, I mentioned Tea House. I did not say that Julie is the one who always gives me the heffy. It's true. It's Julie. Shout out to Julie. Julie really wants to do the podcast at some point. Nice. She listens to all the episodes. She loves it. Uh, I love Julie, so I, I apologize. I, I also, love Julie, too. I also have to apologize to the city of Toronto, because I had made a joke last week that... Uh, uh, people on Bay Street jump in front of the train because they have yeah. to live in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, Toronto's not that bad. It's no. uh, it's a fun place to visit, terrible place to live. <laughs> that's a respectable apology. Yeah, I think that's a good apology. Um, yeah. okay. I, I have to apologize to absolutely nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I hold my words. They are my own. I stand by everything I say. I wish I could. Uh, <laughs> okay, so... A little bit about the artist. Here's something that I thought was really interesting. This was actually really fucking hard to do a lot of research on Mm -hmm. him because, like, even on Wikipedia, there wasn't a lot about him. Uh, And for those that don't know, a lot of our research comes from the uh, Wikipedia. (laughs) The very reliable The very reliable Wikipedia. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But, like, Wikipedia, IMDb, nothing really had any info Mm -hmm. on him, so it was kind of hard to find stuff. But he was born May 3rd, 1951 in San Antonio, Texas. So when this album comes out, he's like 29, mm-hmm. right? He's or 28, 29. That's a pretty good, respectable time to yeah. like, you know, really pop off. Because I think that at that point, you've got an idea of who you are. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're, you know, 18 and you get a huge record deal. Yeah. And, then you ruin your life with drugs and alcohol. And <laughs> Fair. <laughs> okay, one thing I learned, though, I don't know if you wrote this down. His name is not Christopher Cross. Mm. His name is not Christopher Cross. Let me pull it up. Cause is it uh, uh, Gephardt? Yeah, Chris, yeah. Christopher Gephardt. Grip- Christopher Gephardt. Gephardt. <laughs> Gephardt. I think it's Gephardt. 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 <laughs> Gephardt? G- Gephardt? G-E-P-P-E-R-T. Gephardt. 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 
<laughs> Why are you saying it like that? Man? I don't know, dude. I, I don't have it in front of me to read. Kephart. Say it again. Kephart. 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 Anyways. Think anyways, like, his name is not like, Christopher Cross. It's like Gap and then Hart. Gap Hart. No, Gap Hart. <laughs> okay, I'm giving up on this. Fuck me. I'm bad with last oh, names. I'm sake. bad with last names. Okay. So, uh, yeah, he was in San Antonio, Texas. He was a, he was an army brat as well. Nice. Uh, his dad was a doctor in the army. Mm. And in high school, he played uh, football and track and field. Uh, wasn't really a ar- artsy kid. Mm. Uh, I think at the time, though, probably was a lot harder to be an artsy kid. <laughs> especially if you're an army kid. Yeah. Yeah, probably got up. In San Antonio. Yeah, pr- especially in Texas. Yeah. Play football. God mm-hmm. damn it. That's what that's what you do as a man. Field. Play football. You know what? I mean, Throw I the shot put. Little sidebar. When I think of San Antonio, do you you know Charles Barkley, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's on TNT NBA on TNT, and anytime they mention San Antonio, they're like Charles, what's in San Antonio? He's like big old women. <laughs> <laughs> every single time, every single time, and they're like Charles, stop. He's uh, like with their churros. <laughs> like it's really fucking funny. Oh, dude. dude, that's hilarious. He's actually really really funny. He's a really funny human being. That's so fucking funny. Okay, so uh, he uh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, yeah, yeah, jump jump, some, jump back into the artist here. Uh, bassist Andy Solomon and keyboardist Rob Meyer uh, met him in San Antonio when they were still teens. Uh, Gephardt and uh, Solomon became bandmates in Flash uh, with Gephardt on the guitar. Uh, together they formed the Christopher Cross Band and moved to Austin, where they added drummer Tommy Taylor. Uh, there they played covers for cash while recording demo versions of original songs at Austin Pecan Street Studios, and uh, which they shopped to record labels. Uh, though they considered themselves a band, Warner Brothers signed Christopher Cross as a solo artist in 1979. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So they were basically the other guys were just kind of the they sessional just, they musicians. They were just the yeah. sessional musicians. And and they, they were his touring musicians, too. Yeah, but that makes sense because I did associate him as a person. Yeah. And he does brand himself as Christopher Cross. He is Christopher Cross. Yeah. Even yeah. though he's Christopher Gephardt. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <clears throat> okay, so... Uh, Although he's known for his vocals, his guitar player playing is such that he once uh, got an unfulfilled invitation to play with Donald Fagan and Walter Beck of Steely Dan. Nice. And that's how he met the Steely Band boys, mm-hmm. uh, which is super cool because, you know, they had a huge influence on this album. Um, now, uh, after this album, in 1981, he recorded Arthur's theme for Dudley Moore's movie, Arthur, which is a... Fucking classic. That is a good movie. That is a great movie. I would highly recommend that movie for anybody out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it It's way better than the Russell Brand one. Oh, yeah. That's what I put in that. The terrible oh, Russell Brand remake. Jesus with, Christ. Yeah, with Helen Mirren. Who else is oh, in that? I'm trying to remember. There there was, uh, you know what? It's been, I've only watched that movie once, so yeah. I could not fucking. I'm not a big Russell Brand fan. I mean, Forgetting Sarah Marshall's good. Yeah, Forgetting yeah, Sarah Marshall's like good. Movie. Get Him to the Greek is aight. Yeah. But I think he peaked at forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, very forgettable uh, actor, comedian, not great all around. Uh, <laughs> not, a, not a good person. <laughs> not a good person. Really boring. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, but he recorded Arthur's theme for the movie, and mm-hmm. that won the Oscar for best original song. Nice. Uh, his second album, Another Page, came out in 1983. It produced the singles "All Right," "No Time for Talk," and "Think of Laura." 
All Right was used by CBS Sports for its highlight montage for the 1983 NCAA Division I men's basketball tournament. Nice. Yeah, so that that's pretty fucking... <laughs> very specific. Very specific, but you know what? March Madness, baby. Yeah, let's go. Uh, and then Think of Laura was used... Uh, uh, as a reference to characters in the soap opera General Hospital. <laughs> now, here's a, so this is where the, it starts going. This down is in, where it starts. Yeah, to, but this is like say. peak him. Like his music's everywhere at this point, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, so he allowed ABC to use the song in that context. However, he also stated that he wrote "Think of Laura" not in reference to the television characters, but to celebrate the title, uh, celebrate the life of Denison University College student Laura Carter, who was killed when she was struck by a stray bullet. So, uh, ABC heard this song. They were like, "We have a character named Laura. <laughs> we need this song in our on General Hospital. On General oh. Hospital." But that would have been the same time that uh, uh, wasn't John Stamos on General Hospital. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he was on General. I know James Franco was on General Hospital in like the mid two thousands. Yeah, so. Ray Liotta I think might have been on General Hospital. Yeah, I'm trying Ray to Liotta and uh, John Stamos started out in in soap operas around that time. I remember my mom used to watch General Hospital when James Franco was on, and he was like playing the bad guy, and his name was just Franco. Ooh, yeah, and that was he was the bad character. <laughs> yeah, Franco, James Franco Ocean. <laughs> No, but he was, this is when he was like, after he like had like award winning performances and like he just went to general hospital. Um, yeah. This was before all the, uh, all the terrible things that he yeah, did. Yeah. This was like 2008. So yeah. this is like pineapple. This Express is pineapple. Time. Express. We yeah. all still like James Franco at that time. Yeah, we did. Um, okay. So, uh, another page sold, uh, uh, uh fuck me. Another page sold well, mm-hmm. getting gold certification. He also co-wrote and sang the song A Chance for Heaven for the 1984 Summer Olympic Games in L.A. Wow. But after 1984, his star quickly dimmed. Mm. Uh, MTV was popping off. His music didn't really fit the MTV vibe. No. He had adult contemporary. He had that market nailed. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, in that music video era... He didn't really, which is sad because, like, I can think of great music video concepts for a few of the songs mm-hmm. that are on this album. Uh, you know, like, fucking Ride Like the Wind, you could have, like, just a really cool-ass fucking yeah. outlaw music video. God but, damn. But, I mean, compared to what was popping off, more dancey mm-hmm. music, more pop pop-based music, he didn't quite fit the mold of what was popular at that time. Well, and I also, I, I put this in the about the culture at the time when this album came out, right? Like, 1980, that was the turning point of, like, when pop music went away from, like, disco and rock, yeah. and it became, like, synthy and beat-based. Mm-hmm. So, he was kind of a transition, because you have, like, you have elements in this that kind of sound like the 80s but you have a lot of this that sounds like the 70s yeah it's i mean it's extremely soft rock which for how successful it was especially when we start talking about the grammys he won Mm -hmm. for this album specifically like it's kind of an odd choice compared to the other albums that were nominated it's very odd especially considering i think that we're introducing people to this album yeah well i think uh like I mean, I think if you would ask, like, to say a hundred people, maybe five would yeah. be super familiar with this album. I, um, my mom didn't even know what no, it was. No, <clears throat> I was like, I was like, this is what we're doing on the podcast this week, and 
she was like, I don't fucking know what that is. <laughs> she thought it was like crisscross. Yeah. And I was like, no. Jump. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Crisscross, I'll make you jump, jump. <laughs> Daddy Mac, I'll make you jump, jump. Okay, so his next two albums, 1985's Every Turn of the World and 1988's Back of My Mind, did not produce any top 40 hits or reach gold or platinum status. Mm. Which, if your first two albums are, well, first album is five times platinum, your second album's gold. Yeah. It's not good when your no. next two don't even fucking chart. No, not at all. Um, however, uh, he uh, the song Swept Away was used in the TV show Growing Pains. Nice. It was used during a video montage while Kirk Cameron's character... Mike fell in love with a local girl while vacationing with the family in Hawaii, mm. which that seems appropriate for yeah. a Christopher Cross song. It does. Falling in love. That's a good one. Look at him. He's Look at him. still getting TV spots. Still getting TV yeah. spots in the 90s. Uh, but since 2018, uh, I skipped a lot in the middle there because yeah. there was a lot of boring shit that happened. Nothing really him. happened to him. Uh, yeah. He got married and divorced a few times. He crapped out a few kids. But like other than that, uh, since 2018, uh, he's been playing in a band called Freedonia. They have two full-length albums, <laughs> Freedonia and Firefly, and an EP titled Bring Back the Dinosaurs, which they are bringing back the dinosaurs. Okay, I gotta say, that's a really stupid fucking name for a band. Freedonia? <laughs> and they're singing about dinosaurs. What happened to my boy? I know. Look what they've done to my boy. He went. He fell from grace so hard. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't understand how he can fall this hard. Um, okay, so let's, let's talk about some notable singles from this album. Yes. Okay, so... Uh, I actually, interesting enough, we couldn't find out a lot about the artist for this uh, episode, but there was more that I could find out about the songs mm -hmm. than any other artist we've covered so far. There you go. Uh, so, Ride Like the Wind released February 15th, 1980. It reached number two on the U.S. charts for four consecutive weeks behind Call Me by Blondie. On the album's inner sleeve... Christopher Cross dedicated this song to Lowell George, formerly of the band Little Feet, who had died in 1979. Uh, Ride Like the Wind features backing vocals by Michael McDonald and a guitar solo by Cross. Mm -hmm. The lyrics of the song tell the story of a condemned criminal on the run to Mexico, and it's told in the first-person point of view. It does really amp you up when you're listening to oh, it. Oh, it does. It's, it's like, and, and, like, the guitar in this, everything, the fucking, like, mm -hmm. kind of disco-y fucking and, like, intro. It's got, like, a weird, like, callback thing. Where yeah. Like, That's such a long way to go. With such the, a long way. Yeah, between the background vocals and crisscross. <laughs> it's so good, dude. I it's don't know. It's so good. I don't know. I can't even, like... Trying to, you know, really describe the album. Like, it's just it's just good. Like, fucking it, listen to it. It's very hard to describe yeah. it. Because, like, this one specifically, because, like, it's got uh, it's got a piano intro that ends up kind of going a little disco. Yeah. Which is really funny, because it's not what you're expecting. Mm -hmm. And then he's described it as a Western romanticized, uh, like, like story of, yeah. like, uh, an outlaw, right? Now, uh where the bad guy gets away. The setting can be summarized as uh, having been from the time before the U.S. and Mexico signed their mutual uh, criminal extradition treaty. Now, he mentioned he was high on LSD when he wrote the lyrics. <laughs> we were living in Houston at the time, and on the way down to Austin to record the songs, it was just a beautiful Texas day. I took acid, so I wrote the words on the way down from Houston to Austin. Uh, 
Very fitting. Yeah. Definitely an acid trip. I, see, I never pegged him as like a psychedelic guy. Yeah. Just by the way he looks, he's very clean cut. He's very... Yeah. Uh, I never and never pegged him as that, that type of person. I, I, I imagined him as the type of guy that would have one beer and then have to take a Tums. Yeah, he's like like Randy Bachman kind of. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Our, our least favorite Canadian. <laughs> I could probably think of a few more. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few more I could probably list off. I, I, I you know what? I kind of feel bad because I feel like I just shit on Randy Bachman a bunch, but like his book really sucked. <laughs> I really fucking hated it. <laughs> and I finished it too. Um, okay, so in 1999, uh, the satirical newspaper The Onion published a story with the headline. Christopher Cross finally reaches the Mexican border. <laughs> that's funny. That's really funny. And apparently he fucking loved it. Uh, he was like, that's, that's super great. Um, and he took it as an honor. Now, uh, the song's been covered uh, and charted twice. Once by Belgian DJ uh, Laurent Ray. And the second time by English heavy metal band Saxon. You ever heard Saxon? <laughs> I haven't. They're fucking heavy. Yeah, dude. They're That's awesome. funny that they cover Christopher Cross. I love when bands do that when it's like a, you know. Like when it's a, like a very weird one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. They, just, they, go, they go hardcore with it. That's funny. And you also just know, too, like, because like, we, we've talked about it before. Like, we were, we were last week after, uh, a couple of weeks ago after an episode, we were, like, going back and forth with videos of, like, yeah. metal covers of songs. Like, uh uh, Leon uh, McCrony's cover of Adele's Hello. Yeah, and I showed you that Sweden goes yeah. metal. Swedish hits go metal. Oh, yeah. Gimme, gimme, gimme a man. It's basically a bunch of metal ABBA covers. It's oh. pretty wicked. And it works so well. It does work well. Um, okay, so second single we're going to be talking about, Sailing, released June 15th, mm. 1980. It hit number one. Same sure in did. Canada. Number 32 at the year end. Covered by a ton of artists, including Barry Manilow. Sampled by Puff Daddy and the 1975. Featured on TV shows like uh, WKRP Cincinnati, Family Guy, and Cobra Kai. Uh, he said in interviews that the song's inspiration was his friendship with an older friend from his high school, Al Glasscock, who would take him sailing as a teenager. <laughs> Sorry. Can you, is that really his name? That is his name. <laughs> Al Glasscock. Okay. Sorry. Al Glasscock. I'm very immature. I had to laugh. Take... I saw Sam laughing. I was like, oh, it's okay to laugh at that. Uh... Al Glasscock would take a young boy out on a boat <laughs> and sailing. We didn't touch on this with Michael Jackson. Leave it. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it. <laughs> don't, make me, don't make me record another disclaimer, dude. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, so he said the song was about like it was uh, – Inspired by this because this guy would take him out there on the boat mm -hmm. uh, to, like, help him get away from, like, like get his mind off of shit that was going on yeah. in his life, right? Um, and Glasscock functioned as a surrogate older brother during, the, like, a very tough time for him when he was in high school. But then he lost touch with him. And this is actually a really sweet thing. Uh, on the Howard Stern show in April of 1995... Howard reunited Cross with Glasscock after 28 years. Oh, wow. That's cool. Cross acknowledged on the show that his sailing trips with Glasscock had been the inspiration for the song. And after that reunion, Cross sent Glasscock a copy of the platinum record he earned for selling more than 5 million copies of sailing. Wow. I thought that was that's, a really That's sweet. very wholesome. And also, like, 
really wholesome that Howard Stern would do that back yeah. then. Back when he was like, you know, fart man. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I'm, I'm imagining there was probably some like when they hugged, there was probably some farts they put on in between mm. and like, yeah. Like, there was like, probably like like the the crying Bubba Booey sounds. Yeah, Bubba they Booey. probably threw Bubba some. Booey. They probably threw some stuff Bubba in there to make it annoying. But <laughs> <laughs> like, oh god, you know what's really funny is like people make fun of like hack radio DJs, yeah. but like he kind of fucking set the tone for that he with did. all of the sound bites. And now and look shit. at him now, he's so lame. Oh god, he's. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna say anything. Yeah, I know. He's, he's so yeah, lame. It's it's crazy that he's like, and he he makes like 500 million a fucking year. I know, but like, who's listening anymore? That's a real question, dude. Like, 28 million people are listening to him. Wow, that's insane. That's like <laughs> quite a few more million than us. That is <laughs> yeah. a lot more million. About 28 than us. more million than us. Yeah. Okay. Remember when you fucking made fun of me when I said that Bruce Springsteen made more money than us? What yeah. the fuck? Of course he's got more listeners than us. Well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not surprised by that. That's not that's not my point. I'm just surprised <laughs> that there's 28 million people that are willing to listen to him anymore. It's crazy that he has 28 million people listening to him and Joe Rogan has like 10. Wow, and he's <laughs> and like, Joe Rogan's in the news more often than fucking Howard yeah, Stern. Yeah, I mean, Howard Stern really got off. Like he was in the perfect time because some of the shit he used to do, like he would have never been able. He to... would never get away with it nowadays. No, no chance. There was there was a lot of stuff like and and like I don't know. I I sometimes will listen to like old uh, Howard Stern stuff, mm-hmm. like especially if he's interviewing like bands. Yeah, or I went through a phase of that. Stuff. I listened to a bunch of his content. Yeah, and like uh, like I I like listening to like the old like the '90s shows yeah. if he's interviewing people, right? Because like back then, like he was like the only place where people could like get a real interview mm-hmm. um but there's so many things where you're just like this is so fucking seedy now yeah. like it's so seedy and the whole time too he's like he's like got like three daughters at home but then he's mm-hmm. going on the air and like making women ride a fucking yeah. giant dildo in the studio like mm-hmm. what the fuck <laughs> yeah he's a little creepy bastard uh, yeah a little yeah, creepy a little yeah. creepy also a germaphobe is he? Yeah, which is funny. Like you wouldn't Howie expect Mandel. a pervert to be a germaphobe. Is that like one of the qualifications for being a host on America's Got Talent? You have to be a germaphobe? Yeah, Howie yeah, Mandel, yeah, him, yeah, fuck. Yeah. yeah, no, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so the third single, Never Be the Same, released in October. Uh, it hit the adult contemporary number one, stayed there for three weeks. It was the singer's third consecutive single to reach the top 40 on the Billboard chart. Nice. And it peaked at number 15 in uh, 1980. Uh, and it's about understanding a relationship that has lost its light, uh, became stale or toxic, and yet still having been hurt over the fact that it's over. Mm. When you listen to it, though, it's pretty fucking happy. Yeah. He's got that thing going on. He's got that thing going on. Yeah. He's got that Bahamas thing going on where, like, even when it's sad, he's like, it's kind of happy. Mm-hmm. But even, I mean, I don't know, like, sailing is a bit of a ballad, but it's not really sad either. No. No. But it, it, it's very upbeat. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but it is, it is a ballad. It's definitely a love ballad, but it's a, but you know what I think is funny is like after finding out what the song was about, it made me realize like why we connected with it so much. Mm. Cause like, yeah, we're like bros. We're friends. And <laughs> it's we, a friendship song. It's a friendship song. Mm-hmm. We would listen to that song Fantasy, and I was like, it gets, gets the best of me when I'm sailing. Oh, dude. All cut Chills. up in the misery. Chills, dude. Oh, oh. so good. Oh. Okay. Let me show you the hair on my arm. They're standing up. Oh, oh. dude. The hairs <laughs> on my peepee are standing up. Oh, no, it's just my peepee. Um, okay. Nice. Uh, all right. Uh, let's get into the reception. Uh, so, this is the big one. Mm-hmm. He became the first artist to win the four major categories. Yeah. Record of the year, album of the year, song of the year, and best new artist in the same year. A feat that was not replicated until 2021 Billie Eilish did it. 
Billy Eilish. Billy Eilish. Yeah, you're you're all about the names, dude. <laughs> really about the names. <laughs> and, you, and you pulled that one out. Yeah, it's uh, he was the only one. Yeah, until like 2020. Is that what mm-hmm. you said? Yeah, which is pretty impressive. Um, in what sailing one song of the year. Yep. Um. Obviously, the album one, album of the year, record of the year was that also sailing? Uh, I think record yeah, of the year was also yeah, sailing. I think it was yeah. sailing, yeah. And then of course Christopher Cross won best new artist, which it's it's crazy because like it does make sense, and then when you see Billie Eilish, you're like, yeah, like that. I, I, I fucked it up intentionally the first time, but then <laughs> the second time I, I almost fucked I it up again. Uh, the uh, like she has a lot of the same qualities in terms of like having having like a, a consistent album you can listen to. Yeah, and I think I think one thing too is like that not all artists have like when they make their best album, you know, the one that gets the most critical reception get wins the awards. Not often is it their first album, which seems to be both what has happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Billie Eilish will stick around a bit longer than Christopher Cross. I I think so too. um, But like he peaked right away. He peaked Um, right away. And I mean, this is the fact that you had told me about when we started listening to the album, uh, Beat the wall for album of the year, mm-hmm. which is fucking crazy. Yeah, beat the wall out for it. Which the wall is an iconic album. I mean, Roger yeah. Waters is still touring the wall. Yeah, uh, to this day. And and I would say probably one of the, excuse me, one of the if not the biggest concept albums. Yep. Like, yep. still still fucking touches across generations, holds up. Crazy that it fucking and lost. It, to I this. know he built he beat out a Billy Joel Adam album as well. I'm not mm-hmm. sure the name of the album. Is it Glass House? I'd have to look. Yeah. Um, it's the one that's still uh still rock and roll yeah. to me. Basically two iconic iconic artists. Super iconic. Yeah. Um okay, so uh And Barbara Streisand B too, actually. I'm all coming to me in one go. Yeah, yeah. Uh oh wait. Uh that also would have been the year that off the wall. Michael Jackson was nominated. What was it? No, I think that was the year before. Let me look because I I looked into this earlier. Okay, and it was Barbara Streisand, Billy Joel, and Pink Floyd. And there was one other one. I yeah, believe. there's definitely one other one. But I I okay, maybe it was the year before that. Uh, was Off the Wall even nominated for a Grammy? I don't know. I don't know. It would be funny if it if if the Wall and Off the Wall were up the same year. You can keep talking. I'm going to figure this out. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, okay, Sailing One, Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best Instrumental Arrangement Accompanying Vocalist, which I didn't even know was a category. Um, All Music retrospectively gave it a 4.5 out of 5. According to Stephen Thomas Earlwine, the album was a huge hit and widely acclaimed, at least among industry professionals. Critics didn't give it a second listen, leading to multi-platinum success and Grammys. Yes, he does favor sentimentality and can be very sweet on the ballads, but his melodicism, <laughs> melodicism, melodicism. Oh, oh my God, you know I who did he beat? it. You know who he beat? Frank freaking Sinatra, dude. Ah. <laughs> so Frank Sinatra, Barbara Streisand, Pink Floyd, and Billy Joel is who he beat. <laughs> was that the, was that the uh, Frank Sinatra that would have had my way on it? Um, it was like a, I think it just says, all this thing says is it's a, I had it pulled up earlier, Okay, but it took me quite a bit to find it. So uh, if it was the one that had my way on it, that'd be really funny. Sure, I find it, but you know why I can tell you about that year's Grammys? Paul Simon hosted it. Ooh, Ooh. that's cool. That's really cool. Did they call him Al? I don't know. Mm. I'm surprised he was he wasn't too busy hanging with Julio down by the schoolyard, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, he said his melodicism is rich and uh, construction tight. 
so it's a sturdy foundation for the classy uh, professional gloss provided by his studio pros and friends, including the indeniable backing vocals by Michael McDonald. Mm-hmm. Literally, I think that Michael McDonald's backing vocals are a big part of why this album is so good. I would agree with that. The 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 background vocals certainly play into how how great every song is. I mean, they're like often a mainstay on the courses as well. Yeah, um, which which I think it adds quite a bit to to the to the work. And it and it definitely it, it 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 gives it that nice kiss at the end. It, it does wraps it in a little bow. No tongue. Um, no tongue. Uh, Spin listed it as one of the eight essential yacht rock albums. Mm. Uh, weekly charts. Uh, Dutch albums. It was in the top 100. It was number 14. New Zealand. It was number 16. UK number 14. U.S. Billboard's number six. Uh, at the year end, it was number four. Nice, and it was five times platinum. Nice. Uh, now we're getting into the we're getting into the final things here. Uh, so, uh, fun facts. Yeah, I don't remember all of them. So if you want to rifle a couple of them off, yeah. I'll fill uh, so VH1 named "Sailing" the most yeah. soft, uh, sensational album yep. of all time, soft rock album of all time. Nice. Uh, he once played guitar for Deep Purple mm-hmm. in 1970 for a show when Richie Blackmore fell ill. Nice. <clears throat> That's cool. Because he doesn't sound like he'd play in Deep Purple. No. But um, what's that song? Uh, Smoke on the Water. That's Deep Purple, right? That is. That's the first song everybody learns on guitar. So I bet Christopher Cross like nailed that shit. Because <laughs> it's like everybody learns Smoke on the Water is like the first song. Can you play it? You going to play it? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it. I'm going to play it. This All better right. be good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna... to. What? Mic to it? All right. Here we go. I'm ready for this. <laughs> oh dude that was stinky <laughs> that was not good dude <laughs> that was not good dude <laughs> I, I, I told you in the first episode I can't play instruments. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> dude, that was that was something else. Okay, but I can do this. Nice, nice. That's a good way to cap that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck! <laughs> I did tell you that I couldn't play. Holy shit, dude! <laughs> it's amazing because I I do. Uh, I think I have a headache now. <laughs> <laughs> that hurt dude. it would have been really funny if uh it'll be really funny if sam loops that after oh uh, no it wouldn't be funny dude it would be it would be it would be funny at funny at all dude <laughs> you know what okay i gotta say this uh because i don't think we've actually mentioned it all the intro songs i've been doing them, <laughs> i know yeah and, uh the only one that i fucking could not do was a fucked it up so bad um but uh i was wondering why the intro was so short for that one yeah no i was just like i was like it was really yeah, it was really long. I I fucking recorded a long one, and Sam cut it down. Thank God, it, it was bad. And like, because here's the problem: I'm trying to do the like, I'm trying to do piano covers of these songs. Yeah, oftentimes they make the piano the vocals, mm. and then it's like very fucking difficult because. I'm doing it all on my tablet. If, if I'm being if I'm being perfectly honest, sometimes like well, I've li- been listening to the album all week before the episode. The episode comes out, and I have no idea what the intro song is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what fucking song is this? <laughs> it's a game me and Robin play that gets the song. 
You guess the song, yeah. Ah! Yeah, but I love you, Spencer. I appreciate all the work you do. But yeah, I have no fucking clue. Dude, that's so fucking funny. I, you know what? We should hold a contest called Guess the Song on our Instagram. The one that just sounded like, sounded like you were just mashing the same key over and over. I was like, is this like. Oh, was that the Thriller one? Yeah. Yeah, well, like, uh, Sam fucking cut it right before I the, the guitar part comes in where it's like. Dun, 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 it's like, is this Runaway by dun, dun. Kanye West? It's just one key. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. We got you, we got you. Make a toast for the douchebags. Make a toast for the assholes. Okay. Uh, All right. So, uh, criticisms. I have... uh, The only criticism I really have with this album is that it's a very... uh, It it sounds very of its time. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if that's necessarily a bad thing, but I think that it, it definitely has... Made it not hold up. I So my criticism, I guess it's somewhat similar, but there's only, what, like eight tracks on this album, if mm-hmm. even. Um, a lot of them sound the same. But it's not a bad sound, but a lot of them certainly sound the same. There's a consistent fucking tone throughout yeah, it. Like, I think, like, the tempo is probably the exact same on every some song. Some of them sound quite a bit the same. Like, obviously, there's ones that stand out, but, like, you could... Like, a couple of the songs I got confused on, like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, it's this song, because I hadn't listened to it in a long time. Like, oh, yeah, it's this song, and it wasn't. So I feel like they sound, like, it's a great sound. It sounds good. But. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, I, I feel like it's one of those, it's kind of an album that you can hit shuffle on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, definitely. you know what I mean? Like, there's so many albums where I'm like, I want to listen to it all the way through. And, and in all honesty, like, I like all the songs on the album, but most of the time I just skip right to sailing, so... Mm. Uh, yeah yeah for me it's uh for me it's uh i really don't know anymore yeah that one's a fucking good one uh uh sailing ride like the wind ride like the wind just uh it's also a- there's that one song minstrel gigolo yeah <laughs> yeah that's the uh that is the last yeah song. oh You're the minstrel don't, gigolo don't, don't you, you know, know? <laughs> <laughs> what is he singing about you know what i don't even fucking what the know fuck is a minstrel gigolo again another artist who's laced in metaphor <laughs> yeah. like, what the fuck is a minstrel gigolo like <laughs> dude like i, I don't know it, it fucking yeah, i don't want to know you're right sam i don't want to know i think uh, you're correct on that yeah i i don't want to get canceled no. for that one um <laughs> okay uh so let's do a review of the album. So mm-hmm. every uh, every episode we review on technical element, musical element, lyrics, reception, album art, and does it hold up? We do each one out of ten, except for does it hold up because we just give it a yes or a no. Yeah. Um. So we didn't do this in the last episode. Uh, I need to clarify that because people were like, "The fucking in review." Okay. Well, because they were two of our favorites, we were just they, telling you to listen to their recommendations. They were yeah, recommendations. Yeah, yeah. We weren't like, and we were giving more of like music history facts on yeah. those ones. Um. You know what? You guys need to calm down. People need to fucking chill. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> We're doing this for your entertainment. We do. We do do this for your entertainment. I slave over this podcast I- every week. <laughs> So okay, I gotta say my favorite thing is like this is my favorite thing that happens with the podcast. So I like Aaron mentioned before I do a lot of the notes for it. Yeah, and I'll go through and I'll be like about the artist. I'll do about the record. I'll do like notable tracks, reception, and then I'll share the doc. 
and then I'll come back and I'll like look typically at, two days before I'll, the, I'll, the podcast. I'll, I'll come yeah. back and look at Aaron's fun facts, and he's just taken things from that I put later, like higher up, and just pasted them into the fucking. Well, I don't even, honest to God, I don't even read what you're what you're writing. I don't even read it. I just like to live in the moment. Um, yeah, I just like fill in my own information. You know? No, I get that. It, <laughs> Which is like, honestly, I was saying to Sarah, I was like, this is the perfect scenario for me. Like, you know, Spencer does a good chunk of the work. Sam does a good chunk of the work. And I just roll up. (laughs) (laughs) I bring coffee sometimes, though. Like, I'm not completely useless. You know what? And and honestly, this would fucking suck if it was uh, not this dynamic. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. I'm super fucking uh, type A when it comes to, like, my research and Mm -hmm. stuff. I'm like, I need to be prepared. Scares me. <clears throat> Jesus Christ, it's not COVID, I swear to God. Um, uh, but I need to be prepared. I'm super fucking worried about being unprepared. Yeah. And then uh, Sam's really good with the tech stuff, and you're really good with just fucking rolling with it. Yeah, well, I I do prepare. You like do prepare. I read a little bit. But <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, we're in a group project. Yeah. And you guys are the guys that prep the presentation. I'm the one that says it. <laughs> it's just one of those sort of deals, you know? <laughs> That makes sense because as as two Cornell University graduates, honestly, uh, it's because I'm inferior in my education. <laughs> it really comes down to that. Um, but at some point, I mean, if once we do merch, I'll handle T-shirts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you be are me. you are a marketing genius. So yeah. you got that part. I make down memes back. on Facebook for a living. Yeah, so. for, for for the boomers <laughs> for work. Yes, get, I am. Get those people fact, those clicks. I am in fact in touch with our with our target audience. So. <laughs> Um, okay, so review of the album. Let's go through it. Yes. Technical element. I would give it probably an 8 out of 10. Mm. I think that technically speaking, uh, like it's executed very well. It's mixed well. Uh, I didn't really find there was very much wrong with it, but the things that I did find wrong were like just certain moments where it would be like, like because he is the guitar player in this for a lot of these, and he has a lot of solos. But you don't necessarily notice them because you're hearing a lot of the piano mm-hmm. or the trombone or the saxophone or fucking whatever else is on the album. So his, I would say for that reason, I would drop it down a couple. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give it. I don't think I'll give it an eight just because compared to some of the other albums we're, we've listened to, even though we do really like this album, um, I, I want to kind of level out our, our rating to give it a reasonable rating mm. overall. So I'm going to give it a seven mm-hmm. on my end. So we'll do what? 7.5. 7.5. 7.5. Okay. Nice okay. And then uh musical element. I would say it's, it's pretty high up, but I would say probably like seven and a half out of 10. Yeah, I get, I can agree with that. We'll go with that. Yeah. So it's seven and a half, seven and a half, seven and a half, seven and a half lyrics. Uh, some really good. Some really bad. Yeah. I mean like some of them are not fantastic. Like, like we're saying, minstrel gigolo. Like, yeah. what the fuck is he talking I, about? I would honestly give lyrics five out of ten. Yeah, I'd give it a five or maybe a six, just because sailing's really nice. So, um, I'll give it a six, just because that song is pretty beautiful. So, so we're at like a seven average now, yeah. seven out of ten. Uh, reception really well received. I, I mean, it fucking yeah, that was a smash. That's a fucking you kind of got to give it a ten for yeah. reception. Uh, album art, I would say it's uh, you know what, like it was definitely iconic at the time. I think it's still recognizable, even if people don't know the album. Mm-hmm. I do. I do notice, like, if people see it on my shelf, they're like, "Oh, I fucking know that. Who's who is that artist?" You know what I mean? So, I I would give the album art probably like a seven and a half to an eight. Yeah, I think an eight maybe. I was thinking eight too. So let's roll with eight. Okay, so so right now we're at about an eight out of ten. Mm-hmm. Does it hold up? Um, 
can like I know we don't give a like a number on this, but I'd say it's mid. Yeah, I'd say certainly the singles hold up. Yeah, I don't know if the album as a whole holds up. Yeah, um, but so five out of ten. Yeah, so let's say it's a seven and a half out of ten. That works with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's that's a good rating. I think that's fair for the album, just because I mean it's I would like to you know give it a ten out of ten just because we spent so much time yeah. listening to it. But it's and one of those things the... where it's like we have to look at it like because we are. The number 23. Oh, we're number 23. Uh, huh? We're number 23. We Ooh. are the number 23 music history nice. podcast in Canada, and we're number one in Chile. Yeah. Uh, so, therefore, <laughs> we need to be uh, objective. Yeah. 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 I agree. Okay. Um, and being objective, we are not number one, the number one podcast in Chile. We are the number one English-speaking <laughs> music history podcast in Chile. Where'd you get that number? Uh, from the we have website. W- we have one listener in Chile, dude. And that puts us at number one. That's a one. Is that not a one? That I guess one. that counts. I guess that, that counts. One. Yeah. Uh, yeah that counts. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, seven and a half out of ten. Definitely recommend people check it out. Yeah, I, I agree. That was a that was a fun episode. That was a very fun episode. Yeah. Fucking love you, buddy. Listen to Christopher Cross, please. Now cue my outro. Outro. Thank you for listening to this episode of Misfits on Vinyl, hosted by Spencer Streichert and me, Aaron Walsh, and of course produced by Sam Sam the Tech Man, Sam Lindsay. If you like us, please rate us, subscribe to us, share us. Our socials are Misfits on Vinyl Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to send us an email with any suggestions or criticisms, uh, we love that shit, so send it away. It's Misfits on Vinyl at gmail.com. We love you guys. Thank you.